fan podcast this is episode 111 yes 111 of my voice in your ears ah i am your host david palermo you can find me on the twitter at numbillsfan shoot me an email david numbillsfan.com shoot adam deacon the co-host who isn't here right now, an email, adam at numbillsfan.com. Find him on the Twitter and the Instagram, numbillsadamd. And we're brought to you by shadyrays.com. Punch in our promo code, numbillsfan, at the checkout. And get 25% off, please. And put in a high recommendation. If there's a spot for notes, you know, tell them who's the best. Anywho, numbillsfan.com has our stuff. Check it out. Previous podcasts, there's some fun stuff on there. And our buddies, CoverOne.net. You need good film breakdowns, CoverOne.net. And Wednesdays, Facebook Live. Yeah, that's right. We do a Facebook Live show. Wednesdays, brought to you by BillsForLife.com. They're our biggest supporters. We love working with those guys. Every Wednesday, we do a show. They run it through their site, facebook.com forward slash numbillsfan. Get on there. Watch our show, 7-ish on Wednesday night. There's a show at 7 it's, or on Wednesday night at some point. But look, set a little notification so that we come on. And also, for anybody who might want some stuff in the future, you want to get at us, find us everywhere. We're on Instagram. I'm Bill's fan on Instagram. We are on the Twitter. We are on the Facebook. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. Do whatever you got to do. Find us. Our RSS feed is everywhere we can think to put it. So do that. There's a nice app out there. If you don't like the, the podcast app from Apple, um, there's a nice app called Overcast. Very cool. You can download podcasts over 100 megabytes. You know, get around. That's a little workaround for you people trying to get some big ass podcasts under your belt. Um, so letting you know, if this is your first time listening to us, thank you for checking us out. So, uh, anyways, punchrunksports.com. We're brought to you by them at punchrunk. And three comedians do a podcast about sports. If you're really into UFC, especially, they do a great job covering that. Jason Tebow, Ari Shafir, and Sam Tripoli, awesome comedians, regulars at the LA Comedy Store. And, uh, you know, good dudes, good, good takes. If you like us and really funny people who go into topics, I don't, I'm not even comfortable talking about. Those are your people. So punchrunksports.com at punchrunk on Twitter. On the line with us in a second here is Kevin from Building the Herd. Formerly, I should say, but uh, he's with cover1.net now and uh kevin's a good dude i really enjoy kevin he's pretty cool always uh 
He worked pretty hard doing a podcast of Rob Quinn, who's now with USA Today, Bill's Wire. And uh, they, they worked pretty good together and had an awesome podcast called Building the Herd. And also, just a little shout-out, too. Check out Rock Pile Report. If you've never listened to Rock Pile Report, check out Rock Pile Report. And CoverOne.net, they also have their own podcast. So check them out, too. And uh, all right, well, here we go. And on the line, we got Kevin from uh, CoverOne.net. He does a podcast with our buddy Nate Geary from uh, CoverOne.net as well. Obviously, the CoverOne podcast. And uh, you might remember Kevin from Building the Herd with Rob Quinn, who is now with USA Today with Bill's Wire. So uh, what's up, Kevin, man? Where can we find you? You tell me what you're up to. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. You can find me at CoverOne.net. Uh, over there, Turner and the team, uh, Nate Geary. Um, we host a podcast, and we'll be more regular here coming up. And, you know, excited to get going with you guys as well. Um, you can read a lot of our content and find us all on Twitter. I'm at, I'm at Kevin Masseri. And obviously that cover one as well. So uh, you can find us all over and, you know, see Eric's great breakdowns as well as, you know, some of my articles and podcasts over there. Sweet, man. Like uh, Kevin, Kevin is one of the rare people um, where I would actually listen to his podcast on a regular basis. No disrespect to other people. Um, and really because you also started that Madden franchise connected shit that I got my head caved <laughs> right. in by some people. Right. Um, but real quick, cause, um, you know, I got in a little fender bender today, and we're running last second, thanks to me being whatever and not being able to figure out a board. So uh, real quick, some Bills news. Uh, just an update, going to run through some numbers, and then uh, we have some topics like Roy, Andre Holmes, and EJ Main, and we're going to dive into. Um, sure. So Andre Holmes was signed for three years, $6.5 million. Joe Boehner, running back, signed to Buffalo, no contract details yet. Corey Washington, wide receiver. No contract details yet. Uh, and Leonard Johnson, a cornerback with Buffalo, who was also with uh, – he was with Carolina for a bit with Sean McDermott. E.J. Manuel signed over to Oakland, and I believe he's with Todd Downing, the former quarterbacks coach he had here with Moron – I mean Marone. And um, Ryan Groy, Buffalo matched a two-year, $5 million offer sheet um, from the Rams, and this is all right off of SpotTrack.com. Yep. So um, – Real quick, the Andre Holmes situation, what, what was your breakdown about that? Like, the, the news came out. Do you want to summarize in your own words, or do you not have that unlocked? I don't mean to put you on the spot. but No, no, I got that pretty well. I followed it pretty closely, actually. So what ended up happening from the looks of it were the NFLPA miscategorized an official contract offer for Andre Holmes from the Bills, which was initially reported as three-year, $4.5 million. Um, they filed that with the NFLPA, which has to actually uh, account for every contract offer, um, but that's not supposed to be public information. In fact, the NFLPA got really upset at ESPN, um, a couple of ESPN reporters that actually misreported that information right as they filed it. So they actually filed it wrong as an official deal. Someone at ESPN picked that up quickly um, and released it to the public, um, unbeknownst that that wasn't an official contract offer. And the NFLPA quickly changed it to just an offer, which aren't supposed to ever be reported um, in the public media. Um, and actually, they ended up sending out a large press release stating that if contract offers get um, get reported again, people get suspensions and fines, agents, media. Um, it was a kind of a black eye to report an offer that the teams can now match. Now the deal looks three years, six point five million. Um, so I'm not sure if there's escalators in there. Or where that extra two million came from, but you know you could say that that costed the bills some money. 
Yeah, um, very tall guy. Very, yeah. very, 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 very tall guy. Six five. And right. uh, you know, we always. It seems like every year around this time, I'm like, yeah, look at these receivers. Man, how are they going to make room for Greg Little and Salas and all these guys? And Hankerson's showing some promise in, in shorts. And, yep. And it's like you fall in love every year, at least I do, with receivers and some, some linebackers like uh, you know, <laughs> like that one smaller kid, Eric Stryker. And, uh, you know, I don't hear anything from him. I don't know if he signed anywhere after um, whatever. But, I mean – what what's your opinion on this guy as a player? I mean, he's a tall tall guy, and supposedly Deacon was breaking it down to me, um, more of a special teams gunner guy, like Marcus Easley, but like bigger. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Actually, was a big part of their offense in 2014. Yeah, 99 actually, targets right there. Yeah, over at Cover One, we actually have a great breakdown with video and um, PFF content, and if you take a look at that, it'll actually help describe a little bit more of Holmes. He actually is a middle-of-the-field machine. Um, he eats the middle of the field. He's got a 100-plus quarterback rating when the quarterback throws to him you know, below 10 yards in the middle of the field as well as to the right side of the field. So if you get all of that information, you find that he's a great third receiver. Um, he can run in the slot for his size, kind of you know, similar to that David Nelson feel that the Bills had a few years back. I remember you know, that. He's kind of similar but more athletic um, and also plays that special teams gunner role. And he's a targets machine. If he's playing and healthy, um, he's durable, and he was a big target. It just happened to be Oakland uh, mixed with Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper and Seth Roberts. And the next thing you know, he's down to fourth on the depth chart, plays occasionally, plays gunner, active every game. Um, and at that salary level, when guys were getting four and five million dollar deals like Marquise Goodwin, you can't really comp- uh, you can't really complain about two million dollar contract there. Isn't that not crazy? I mean, you know. We we all look at things with these contracts, like, from one perspective, um, which is a lot of times for the team, you want to get these guys cheaper, and then you want to look at it from another perspective uh, of the player and whatever. But I think the, the gray area, obviously, is so interesting where, where we wish we were, like, uh, a fly in the wall for these conversations because if you're going to tell me you're going to get a guy that showed a lot of production, he has showed yeah. some good-ass production – for being targeted, and what I like is that he played in an offense where you have a decent quarterback, so you can get a decent evaluation on the guy. And right. I mean, dude, ninety-nine targets, forty-seven receptions, six hundred ninety-three yards. Like, and dude, he averages like fourteen point seven yards that year. Yeah, like that's crazy. With four touchdowns in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, and believe it or not, between him and Corey Philly-Brown, you have two really good potential third-fourth receivers there. Um, it, it really adds to the depth of the position. You know, when you're losing, I actually think they're an upgrade over Goodwin and Hunter and a couple of those other guys, Powell, that we've had. And He's an upgrade over – I think he's an upgrade over Hunter. Yeah, Definitely, he is. 100%. Absolutely. He absolutely is an upgrade over Justin Hunter. Um, Hunter had a specific role, and he was decent at it. He couldn't stick with the team for a reason. He was supposedly bad in practice. The team had a firsthand look to resign him and didn't. I mean, that's telling to me. So um, Andre Holmes, I think, wanted better. He would have resigned in Oakland by all accounts. Um, but, you know, he just didn't want to be fourth, for sure, fourth on the depth chart. And he didn't. He wanted a chance at three or two. Um, and he, you know, took the money to come to Buffalo. I think it was a smart move by him. And as 
our depth grows, you have a lot of good pieces there now. We still lack number two receiver, and I think even the uh, front office would tell you that. Um, and I really think a pick but in the first 45 is used there still. Yeah, and, and what's ironic about that is, uh, you know, this team has been very transparent. They've been yes. very quiet, but when something comes out, they're very transparent about what they want to do, even more so than I think with, believe it or not, I think the last shit, like eight years, I would say, because that I can remember because um, immediately they're trying to sign the Wagner right tackle, dude. Immediately they're looking at, the, at, at certain receivers we're hearing about, uh, to, or you're hearing about Martellus Bennett. Um, you're hearing about these guys in, in – you know, it makes you think, oh, wait a second here. Um, they're looking at these cornerbacks, and it makes you think here, obviously, whatever they can't, it's common knowledge, whatever you can't plug in free agency, they're going to plug in the draft. And uh, Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And, and at the same time, maybe I'm in the minority, but I'm actually kind of excited to see what Jordan Mills can do at the right tackle spot with Juan Castillo. And Ryan Groy, the transition to Ryan Groy, he really talked up Juan Castillo with uh, Chris Brown and, and Donald Jones on the John Murphy show the other day. And, uh, you know, he was talking about how if he went to L.A., he'd be working with Aaron Cromer. And, and it just makes me wonder, like, what can a new coaching staff get out of a Jordan Mills where I love that he owned that he can't wait to get back and do it. And, yes, it's a stock answer. But if you hear the kid talk, I mean, dude, we do audio, man. You know how it is. You hear people yep. talk. He sounds like really blessed that he was even a part yeah, of a team. And he was made a very smart business decision, which is, hey, they want me. I better take it because I could easily a year from now still be a free agent. Yep. Yeah. I mean, in Mills's case, real briefly, in my opinion, he took a contract for two for four. Um, that was a pretty good contract. And Juan Castillo was part of it where I think they evaluated the free agents, went after Wagner and realized, man, I'm not going to drop that kind of cash. My offensive line's already the one of the most expensive in the NFL. It's pretty good. And I want to see what we can get out of Mills. Um, you know, and then you still have Cyrus Quanjo kind of swing tackling around, although he's a more natural fit for left tackle, there's still some development there that can be had. So in my opinion, you keep Brian Groy, who's just so versatile, like Going into the year, I think he was one of the best players we kept on the team, made the roster. Actually shocked me that he made the 53 um, initially because I thought there was a few other players that could have made it. Um, but then as the year went on, he developed and, and, and stood in nicely at center and actually ranked really well on PFF. Um, he's a very valuable guy to have as your sixth lineman. I mean, for two point, a lot of people are complaining that, hey, that's like the 18th highest paid center. To me, it's just the way the NFL works. It's not that high. Um you know, to get a guy that could fill in for Richie Incognito, potentially leaving in the next year or two. And then you have, you know, Eric Wood, who, you know, who knows what could happen there with his contract in the next year or two. And you have Ryan Groy who can step right in. And now you have a continuity in your line, meaning we didn't lose anybody. So it, it wasn't the world's best offensive line that led the league in rushing, though. Um, Jordan Mills is a fine run blocker. He's been good in stretches. He struggles in pass protector against the best pass rushers. I mean, you know, you can kind of say who doesn't, but um, – he struggled a little bit, and I think he can get back on track being kind of the fifth guy in the line that can really take his time developing because, quite frankly, he has four rock-solid guys next to him. You know, Ryan Groin, size Quandre on the bench, and Vlad Dukas, who was just signed. That's a fairly good um, top eight. So, I'll, I'll be real with you. I could see I could see Mills and Roy, and I could uh, – I mean, I don't know if you – 
Donald Jones has been hammering the table to put to put uh, Groy at right tackle, and frankly, yeah, I think he do. And don't yeah. you think that Groy is kind of like the same shit that we saw with Kamar Aiken, which is like if you knew Kamar Aiken could do that, you know, be dependable. Don't you think he would have stuck around? I mean, it could have been a numbers game. Maybe they did believe he, in him, and it's like Ryan Groy. We just don't watch him, right? And Kamari can happen to come at the time when the Bills are pretty deep at receiver. A lot of people forget that. It was mm-hmm. unfortunate. At the time, he looked like a really good fifth option to have on the team. But he, he got caught in a numbers game. He came here, looked pretty good. He spent some time on the team that people forget That's about. Everyone knows he was A couple of years at least. Yeah. On yeah, the practice he spent squad. Some time. Um, so in fairness to us, he also didn't get poached at that time. So he was still developing as a player. Also, you know, Doug Whale is really good at those UDFAs. I mean, you look at Nikel Roby Coleman, who's now gone. He doesn't fit the current scheme we're running. And then you look at other guys. You know, you you got your um, – just with, with, with Kamar Aiken, it's I, – I think he liked it here. Um, it's just he never got an opportunity. And at this point, it looked like we did choose Andre Holmes over him. Um, but I, I think a lot can be said, back to Ryan Groy, about – Doug Whaley's ability to kind of manage the roster, especially the back end of the roster. A lot of people have challenges with the top end, with they're paying guys too much or trading too many assets to get top of the rounds, like in Sammy Watkins' case, which I actually liked. Um, but you got to give him credit on this one because he tendered him at the lowest level, which only costed us $1.79 million. He got signed to a $2.5 million annual deal for two years. Um, we didn't have to negotiate the contract. We didn't have to worry about him um, visiting. We let him go out and get the deal. And actually came back being two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars cheaper than the second round tender would have been if we just placed him on that, and that would have pretty much blocked him. No one was going to trade a second round pick for him, so that would have pretty much blocked him from all our teams. So it actually costed us, in my opinion, costed us two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars lower when people initially wanted him to be signed to that second round restricted free agent tender level. Yeah, that was pissing me off. I'm like, why is there? Why does it seem like the Bills don't have some kind of tender? And and, and you know right. what? It is just a numbers game. That's is, why right there. You yeah, know? it's a numbers game. And, and you look at the guys that they've been cutting. I mean, uh, we said it. I've been hammering the table. It's like um, you, you caught Corey Graham last. A lot of people are hammering the table to cut him earlier. And it's like I, I, I'm always of the belief that if a guy is, like, willing to be taught like a Corey Graham, that's what I like about – like um, so, receiver Andre Holmes is if they're special teams guys. Corey Graham went to, you know, went to Baltimore from Chicago, so he would have a chance to start at cornerback. Right. You know what I mean? And then he is openly going to safety, and and I and and I kind of looked at Corey Graham maybe as a possible X factor for a, a guy that you can have that would be. An in-house guy that's very versatile. That the year that McCalvin's last year, I thought Corey Graham should have been on the field a lot more than McCalvin because, I mean, at least according to Madden Ultimate Team, I mean Corey Graham was pretty good. Yeah, no, I mean, no but for real, I thought he was very under. <laughs> I thought he was for real right. very underrated. No, he was. I I fought the battle, and you can check on my Twitter if you search my Twitter name and Corey Graham. I fought the battle of him being actually top ten safety on PFF for most of the year, he ended up finishing in the thirties, which meaning a fringe um, top one starter, but it's a, that's still pretty high ranked. And B it was because of a couple of poor games down the stretch, which, you know, let's be honest, 
uh, the team kind of quit there from week 15 to 17. Um, they, they played a good Miami game, I guess, week 16. But not defensively, they didn't. No, dude, I um, tweeted out in the beginning of that game, pat myself on the back again. This defense is going to be the reason Rex Ryan is fired, and I never thought I'd be watching yep. the last time I see Tyrod Taylor and Rex Ryan on the field together. Yeah, and it was. You I know, mean, and I almost, did it. I almost didn't go. I drove to that game alone. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go. Um, it was Christmas Eve, and we were thinking about it, and we were just, you know, I go to most games, and the team quit on the, I mean, they quit on the coach, defensively at least, especially. Um, you know, and then you see them kind of, Basically, I don't like using the word, but basically lost on purpose on week 17. It ended up giving him a top 10 pick when it didn't matter. But, you know, there's no other reason to sit down Tyrod Taylor week 17 other than to get a higher draft pick. So, you know, a lot of people are like, well, the Bills went from 8-7 and to 7 and 9. I'm like, yeah, well, they deliberately went to 7-9. and 9. If you don't think that, you really weren't following. So um, I think it's an 8-8 eight and eight Rex Ryan team that I think Sean McDermott could push to 9-7 and 10-6 and six, depending on how the roster shapes up over the next month. I can't disagree, and, and lastly on the, um, the defense, because I want to get to E.J. Manuel. I know you only got about 10, 10 to 8 minutes left here. Um, yep. re- real quick, the, the first thing I thought about was Sean McDermott. We mentioned it last podcast, but just your take. When I think about the Carolina Panthers, uh, I believe, wasn't Luke Keekley like pick 8 or something like yes. that? Yes, he was picked he, right before Gilmore. Exactly. And when, when we got Gilmore um, – I was like, great. If he's that good, how the hell are you going to resign him? You're never going to. And, no. and and that's just how the cookie crumbles. You can't keep every first-round pick. But guess what, asswipes of the world? We shouldn't be picking that high all the time. Long story short, who the hell replaces Luke Keekley in, 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 in the Carolina defense? Because I thought Zach Brown was the fastest linebacker we had. Right. And apparently there's that. So... Yep. I don't want to put the stock in Reggie Ragland coming off of a knee injury, screw that, to give him the keys to the car. I don't care how good he is. No way. you got to take him to camp, see how he looks, if he can hang speed-wise, if he's executing, sure. But, like, man, you know how those ACLs are, dude. Or I'm Yeah, saying, man. You know? Yeah, like, man. With Ragland, in terms of the linebacking core, we'll get to that briefly. Um, McDermott's on the record, not for many things currently, but he's on the record saying that, our linebacking core is going to need to use some, he's going to get need to get special and tricky with that linebacking core, just because they fit a specific, uh, specific style. So I think you have Preston Brown pretty much as your four, three inside linebacker. And I'd argue he played better there than he did at, in, in the three, four. Over any day at, of the week. I need mean, rookie, mean, rookie year with Jim Schwartz. He yep. tore it up and, and yep, people called fit. him slow coming out of the draft and all this and that. Man, Doug Whaley needs to get credit on his third-round draft picks. Like, seriously, I don't care if we take a chance on a first-round pick and he don't work out. I understand it's a first-round pick. It's supposed to be a playmaker. Sure. I care about coming out of the draft with starters. I don't care if they're undrafted or free agents. I don't care if you trade for guys. Your job is to get talent, and the draft is only literally your first-round pick. Really, you break it down. It's about 10% of what you're supposed to do for the year. Right. And I'll put this on record for you because I haven't put this on, on the audio record yet. Um, the bills drafted really poorly from 2010 to 2013. I mean, that's pretty well documented. There's a lot of misses. There were some key players and they traded Kiko at the end of that for shady. I mean, you can kind of say that came out of the draft. It did um, because he traded an asset from 2013. Dude, but, but that roster was depleted. It was. And if you go to 2014 to 2016, now going into 17's draft, Look at who's still on the team from those drafts. There were some 
there were way more hits than Buffalo Bills are used to normally. There was a really good, since Whaley's fully taken over, he's a good player personnel guy, but he's even better scout. So if you look at that, there's some hits there since he's taken the reins. Dude, you could even um, he, you could even argue Cordy Glenn. You could even even if you don't yeah. want to say he was GM at the time, you can argue so many players. Nigel you, you Bradham came in. You can argue he had in. a play in that. You can argue he had a play in manual, I guess. Um, you can argue he had a play in trading back to get Kiko in the first place. I mean, there's some things you can argue um, one way or the other. But I'm going to go with the facts from 14 to 16, and now going into 17. His biggest knock was trading an extra first round pick to get potentially our best player in Sammy Watkins. Like go ahead and argue that I'll give it to you. I don't like the 2000 and I didn't like the 2015 draft of it was awful. So Ron Darby might've been one of the next best players available. Um, and we got him. So I'll argue that, you know, till you're blue in the face, if Whaley projected the 2015 draft to be bad, he played a really good part of getting his player that he wanted. The other argument is it just happened to be Sammy Watkins was involved with, Brandon Cooks and, you know, Odell Beckham and, you know, you got those players and Michael Thomas. I mean, you have those players, um, you know, that just um, just killed you, you know, that got picked in that draft. All you got to do to rebuttal that dude is, uh, you know, I had this crazy thought in my head, like the the, the Saints. And sorry, I met, I met Mike Evans, too. Not oh, Michael it's OK. Thomas. It's OK. And, and I don't believe that Mike Evans was going to fall to the Bills anyways. So that's the guy right, I was hoping to. Have. And he wouldn't yeah. have. I don't want to hear that shit. So, um, you know, one of the things I I had this idea, I'm like, what if the Bills traded Sammy Watkins for the Saints second round pick? Like that was like some stupid thought I had in my head today. I'm like, wait, so they could pick up another receiver. That's a good deal. And it's like, you know, and then people will bash that. So you you can't really win. You can't can't win either way. No, you can't. So so lastly, um, I just wanted to hit because you only got a a few minutes. Um, I just want to hit EJ Manuel. Um, frankly, uh, EJ Manuel resigned, and you know he was a guy that the, that the Bills get. When, when they drafted him, I had the same. When they drafted EJ Manuel, I had my arm in the air and and verbatim. What the fuck did they just do? Yeah, I thought they were going to take like Milner or a corner or some shit, right? I I, I didn't know, and uh, and then when they draft Sammy Watkins, I'm like. Who's throwing him the ball? Right. Like, like, like it didn't, it, it did not end up because I thought Fitzpatrick with a good defense would have been at least better. And that would have been the perfect guy to learn behind. Even if you would have paid Fitzpatrick the money to, to, to groom the kid, Fitzpatrick is durable and Kevin Cobb is not. And yes, hindsight is twenty twenty. but yep. I'm telling you right now, um, you know, Chris Brown was talking about it, so I don't want to steal his thunder, but I believe this from the start. EJ Manuel really is a – I think he got kind of uh, shafted in his career. And the reason I say that is Kevin Cobb gets a concussion, gets hurt, right? Yep. But either way, you don't have a quarterback's coach your first year. You have a rookie offensive coordinator. And then I, I, you've probably heard me say this a million times. Uh, year two, I don't want to hear that we popped on film from what C.J. Spiller did with Chan Gailey, and we tried to implement that. Nah, yo, you're supposed to implement that shit in, like, April, in, like, May, in, like, actually when you get the job in February, in January, where Doug Marone, you, you look at that tape and you see how well the players worked together and what they did well, and you do that. Okay, you get the ball to C.J. Spiller in space. You don't put him between the guard and the center, dude. 
You don't do that. That's not his game. Have you ever watched him play a down of football? And that same coaching staff got to get a rookie quarterback. And unfortunately, the vet guy who Kevin Cobb, I don't think even played enough games to even be warranted a decent quarterback. Right. Like he, he just was not consistent. However, when you want to cut it and frankly, it's like he kid got a raw deal from the jump and he's not developed. He's rushing to a starting lineup. After he gets hurt against the Browns, it's, oh, stop running. Oh, stop playing your game. Oh, stop doing whatever. And then he gets an opportunity and then all the pressures on him and he just crumbles and, and everybody wants to shit on him for the Jaguars game. Yeah, that was awful. But do not yeah. forget, he brought them back. Right. So lastly, you only got like a minute or two. Like, give me your EJ Manuel take, man. Like, what's your opinion on him? Yeah, man. So I was an early supporter of the pick. I thought he was the best draft uh, quarterback in that era. I will still um, believe or, that, by the way. Not yeah, he, he could come out, even though Gladden just got the big deal. Um, I do think it's him and Glennon at the top there and Geno Smith kind of trailing behind and a lot of other players that didn't work out, but I was, I had high hopes for him. He had those physical attributes. It was pretty much on record that, uh, Buddy Nix was infatuated with, um, Cam Newton the year prior and had for some goofy reason, he would have fallen to three. If I, Carolina heard, had taken I, Darius. Heard, I heard that their jaws were dropping, drooling the whole staff when Cam Newton was in there and you got to blame Andrew Locke for not coming out and ironically yep. listening to Peyton Manning to stay in school. Weird, right? That would have been our franchise yeah. quarterback. Yeah, very, very weird. Um, there's a lot to go there. Carolina would then have luck. It'd be really weird. Um, but, however, they built that prototype up, and EJ Manuel just happened to come out the next year um, and have that working for him, and it, it, it boosted him, man. It boosted him up pretty high. The, the Bills are pretty infatuated with that style of player, and EJ Manuel did it. Um, as we know, he didn't have the decision-making, and he lacked some of the physical running skills that um, Cam has, and that's what happened there. So I like him as a player. I really do don't think he's um, just out of the league type of fodder. I do think he has maybe kind of similar to um, a, a career where he's going to jump around as a backup um, and you know be a useful, valuable backup to a team. He does need to come in and play a little bit better than he did against the Jets in Week 17 or Jacksonville the year prior. Um, even that Cincinnati game, to me, Cincinnati was a good team the year he came in to start his first game. He didn't have a very good game either. So he needs to show a little bit more um, in games rather than practice and tools. So I like him as a guy. He's in Oakland now. He's going to be a better team. They, they chose him over Matt McGloin. Um, you know, now they still have Connor Cook out there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he gets on the field. But I do think the team could have played better with him under the helm in the playoffs than someone else. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, I, I was an early EJ Manuel fan. I really fell hard on him this year specifically. Um, last year, I thought he was going to give me hope that Jacksonville game crushed me as, as a kind of a supporter of his. Um, but I, I will admit that he ended up not developing the way he should have. But like you mentioned, that may not be his fault in the end. But we'll see if he has some career rebirth in Oakland or if he ends up just getting caught and you never hear from him again. Players need to be developed and not for nothing. I don't want to hear this number 30 number. It has nothing to do with the Bills. They don't care about age. And right. I really like that about this team. Um, you got Lorenzo right. Alexander with a big contract. You know, I'm glad that yep. they moved on from EJ. Even though I am an EJ supporter myself, I always root for the kid. 
you got the military background, mother with cancer, and he's playing balls out. Exactly. At, at, and he never said a bad word, man. He really didn't. You know, so um, true professional. But, Kevin, I'll let you go, man. Thank you so much. Where can we find you, and what do you got coming up? Yeah, absolutely. So, you obviously, you can find me in CoverOne.net. You can check out my Andre Holmes piece there. Lots of good uh, film and breakdowns there if you're interested. Um, that's where I'm at currently. And, you know, coming up, you'll see some more pieces coming out on some of these potential free agents and draft prospects, as well as, you know, our usual podcast with Nate Geary. And as always, man, I really appreciate your time. It was great talking to you. Awesome, Kevin. I'll shoot you a text when we get off here. I'm just going to run through the rest of this, man. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah, anytime, man. Thanks a lot. I mean, have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. All right. So that was Kevin from uh, formerly of Building the Herd. He's now with CoverOne.net, working with a dog, Eric. And Nate Geary from WGR 550. So check him out. And, uh, you know, keep it real. Support your guys. You want different takes, different opinions. You don't want to listen to regular newspapers right now. It's the same old shit, same old headline. There's a lot to talk about. Don't let people fool you. Just got to know where to find it. And uh, instead of trying to hoard everybody to one spot, like regular big business is done, hey, come to my team. Nah. How about we love each other? Anyways, so I hope everybody has a good day. Uh, we've had a lot of snow up here and uh, in Rochester, New York. Those have been making some moves quietly. You know, next podcast, we'll dive into those moves we talked about earlier with Adam Deacon. Find him on the Twitter, NumbillsAdamD. Find me on Twitter, NumbillsFan. Find Kevin on Twitter, Kevin Masare. And uh, I think it's M-A-S-S-A-R-E. Very good dude. Again, can't say it enough. And um, possibly looking to... Kevin was talking about possibly setting up a connected franchise for Madden. And uh, if anybody's ever down to do something like that, we would be down to do that too. And who knows, maybe Kevin might need some players if he does it again. So um, keep in touch with us. Find us at numbillsfan.com. Don't forget, billsforlife.com. Great dudes. Part of the Red Pinto, Red Pinto Tailgate with Kenny, a.k.a. Pinto Ron. And, uh, you know, good people over there. Shout out to Chris Williams and Jamie Tilbury and the Bills Mafia group Facebook for that Bills for Life stuff. So, punchdrunksports.com. Follow them on Twitter, at punchdrunk. And don't forget, interact with us. Wednesday nights, 7-ish. Do it. Also, help out your girl, Heather Simon. If you know Heather Simon and you want to help her out or you don't know Heather Simon and you want to help out someone in need, please hit us up. We will transfer you to a proper channel, and we will have details ASAP on how to help out Heather Simon because she's awesome. Love you, Heather. Take care, everybody. Numbillsfan.com. It's your boy, Dave. I'm out. Like Ryan Seacrest, out. But really, I'm out this time. Out.